Welcome everyone to episode 143 of the Red Dumb Restricted Podcast. I'm your host David Comerford and I'm joined by Dan Club and Mark Baker as we discuss where Liverpool are at in the transfer window. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, there was no episode from us last week. We were hoping we'd have a uh, Romeo Lavia signing reaction that we could do for you. But unfortunately, Liverpool are really, really dragging their feet when it comes to getting that one done. And to be honest, that's what we're going to discuss today. So let's just look at the timeline of Liverpool's transfer window so far, just to kind of refresh things. So Alexis McAllister was the first player signed. He he was signed on the 8th of June officially. Soboslai was second on the 2nd of July. Then on the 25th of July, we see a first bid for Romeo Lavia rejected. The day, day after that, Jordan Henderson officially leaves. The, the very last day of July, Fabinho follows him out the door. Obviously, both going to Saudi Arabia. And then 1st of August, a second bid for Lavia is rejected. A third one is anticipated. So there's a possibility that you listen to this when it's already gone through. But I think, to be honest, even if Liverpool are able to tie something up for Romeo Lavia soon, it doesn't necessarily solve some of the problems that have cropped up during this process. So, Dan, I'll start with you. Um, speaking at the moment, while we're anticipating that third bid, while nothing's kind of imminent on the Lavia front, are you worried about the current situation? Yeah, yeah, of course. I think you'd be, I think you'd be foolish not to be, to be honest, because you know earlier on in the window, sort of a couple of weeks ago, you mentioned the timeline there. Once we'd signed Sobazai and McAllister at the time, we still had Henderson and Fabinho, so it all looked pretty straightforward, really. Like we kind of, oh, we might get another midfielder, but it's not essential. We then might go and get a centre back. I think a lot of us wanted that, but that wasn't as important. It wasn't a priority. However. You know, fast forward two weeks, you've lost Fabinho and Henderson, which obviously wasn't part of the plan. I think it's important to say that Liverpool never preempted that happening. That was never part of the thought process for this summer. You've got to be reactive, and what we haven't done is we haven't reacted well to it. I think the the Lavia stuff has played out in a way that we're not used to with Liverpool transfers. Normally, like a person of interest emerges we go and get him. It's never really complicated. It's it's pretty straightforward normally, but this time Southampton sort of digging the heels in for their price and you can't blame them for that has caused this and I think people are getting rightfully frustrated uh, with the way they're going about the business and and I do get it and for me even a week ago I wasn't that concerned because you think you know you signed Lavia seven days ago you've then got time to go and get what I believe is a necessity in a more experienced more developed option as well but now a week later, we haven't got either of them things done. And there's no imminent sign of them happening. And we're a week away from the Premier League starting. So, yeah, I am concerned about the lack of business in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, to be honest, like I'm similar to you because we've reached a stage now. And this is why I think this is where we're talking about, even if something does happen with Lavia. Obviously, he wasn't um, used by Southampton last night in their first championship game. People reading it out say something might be close, but even if it does, you know, this has been left to to a point now where Lavia, if he did come in, isn't really going to start against Chelsea. He's not going to be able to play any preseason games, and you know maybe he plays the second game of the season against Bournemouth. But it certainly feels like things could and should have been done a lot quicker. I'll come to you now, Mark. Do you think the narrative around this window is changing a bit? Because you know you mentioned there. The uh, McAllister deal, 8th of June, Sobosai, 2nd of July. It felt like 
in early July, we were sat there going, you know what, this is a really exciting rebuild, but now it feels like it's getting away from Liverpool quite a bit. Yeah, so first of all, Dave, I think what you've got to appreciate is Liverpool did fantastic business, I think, to get Alexis McAllister in the first place with the feed he did. I've watched him a number of times, and I think he's an absolutely brilliant player, flexible player, brilliant technically. And for Liverpool to get him over what would have been really difficult competition, I believe, because I believe that the majority of clubs would have been after him. I thought that was a, a brilliant start and still is really promising for Liverpool for the coming season. I haven't seen anything really of Sobersai, so I can't really comment on that. But by all accounts, I think he's going to be a really good player for Liverpool as well. So I think I miss sort of all the sort of downbeat things at this moment in time. I think Liverpool have done some really good transfers there. or It certainly seems that way um, early on in the window. And I think another thing you have to take into account is that Liverpool are sort of seem wedded to the, the this new system sort of in pre-season, a 3-4-3 system, which is a little bit different, obviously, to the older system because in the older system, you were looking at having just one holding player and a real specialist in that role as the deepest player. Now, in the new system, obviously playing with two deeper players, one being Alexander-Arnold and one being another, the skill set of them two players has to, can be slightly different. And the way I look at it, I do understand, obviously, that you know people will be concerned and Liverpool need to get what they would call probably a more defensive player in that squad. And I believe they will do before the, the end of the transfer window. And it does seem like it'll be Romeo Lavier in the end. But I do believe at this moment in time, the club will be thinking to themselves, they've got players who can potentially play in that role for the short term in one of them two positions. Sorry. Uh, the position next to Alexander-Arnold. I mean, if you look at the current squad, Alexis McAllister played in a two for a, a number of occasions last season with Moises Caicedo as, as a deeper player. And in fact, I think there could be an argument that he's actually better a little bit deeper than playing in the higher role, although he can play the two. I think time will tell, but I think there is a school of four from people who watch him quite a lot, that that is a position that he can he, he can occupy better than the higher position. Obviously, then you've got Curtis Jones, who has come to prominence really in the position because of how well he did in the under-21 championships. I think that obviously Jones is a higher player, but he's obviously looked at Jones and McAllister at this moment in time and feels more comfortable playing Jones in there. So that's, a, that's another option. And the way Jones keeps the ball, obviously he's capable of playing in that deeper role so comfortably because he's playing with, with less pressure in there. Obviously not a specialist defensive player, but again, what you're asking of them two players is slightly different than just being a sole defensive player. And then, obviously, you've got Stefan Bajcetic and uh, Thiago, who, obviously, at this moment in time, are, are coming back from injury, and, and that can be a concern. But I think with Thiago, for me, you have to get him on the field to play when he's fit. And I think Liverpool will be looking at that with Thiago and thinking, OK, he might not be available for the start of the season, and Klopp will be thinking it. But to play as part of a midfield too, I mean, when he's fit and available, you have to get as many minutes out of him on the pitch because there's no question that when you do, he's one of the elite performers in that p position in the Premier League. Now, playing in that position, he's obviously won a, won a Champions League playing as part of it too. He's had multiple experience and he, he's just an absolute star in terms of what he can offer. You're progressing the ball, even his defensive numbers. So I think alongside by Chessie, who obviously they've got big hopes for. I, I don't know kind of what his ceiling is. I don't think we all know. But I think the club will have an understanding of how much they want him to play this season. And I think because of that, 
and them four options that they'll be looking at with the two coming back within the next few weeks, I think the club might look at it slightly differently in the sense that they will get this player in to complement them players and to play as part of the deeper midfield. But I don't think there'll be this cause of panic that maybe from the outside that maybe a lot of people are feeling at this moment in time. So I do understand from the perception of the outside, but I don't think there'll be that same kind of worry from inside the club, especially because when you think of it, you know, you've got in Klopp's pomp, we know the Klopp likes to work with a, a smaller squad, a more trim squad with maybe two players for each position. And you look at Liverpool when they were at the best. I mean, they had Fabinho as the specialist holding player. But the other two players who filled in, Jordan Henderson and Jeannie Wijnaldum at times, they weren't even specialists within the role. They were players who were multifunctional players who played on that deepest line of midfield when asked to do the job. Um, so I think that's kind of... The, the perception from the club, I think, will be slightly different to the broader outside world, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. And I see, definitely see where you're coming from. It's just... Um... In an ideal world, I think Thiago would be the one I'd have starting the season in that position um, in kind of the interim. I just think he kind of would give Liverpool the best balance in terms of his attributes. Um, the problem is, you know, as we're recording this, you know, he's returning to training today um, on Saturday. And I just think with it being pre-season, you know, ordinarily you'd be like, if a player's got a week during the season to prepare for a game, then he'll be fine for it. But it just feels like he's so far like back in his kind of pre-season um, basically progress that he might need a little bit longer, which is is a shame, but I suppose it's kind of a bit of a summary of Thiago's Booker in the sense that he, he's needed, but he's not necessarily available. Um, coming back to you now, Dan, I think you alluded to this in your first answer, but we've been used to it for so long, Liverpool being these, you know, really efficient transfer market operators, and that probably predates the 2022 transfer window. But, do you think it's it's pretty clear at this point that Liverpool let Fabinho go and didn't have a proper plan in place or didn't assess the landscape properly before they did so? Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough, to be honest with you, Dave. I think I've seen a lot of people in recent days sort of whilst this impasse goes on, whilst we're trying to find the solution. Um, and just on Mark's point as well, I think he's absolutely spot on. Liverpool will be relaxed about what's going on and there are definitely options in that squad. My issue with that is the fact that the options that we've spoken about, they're either not ideally suited to the role, it's not their best position in the case of McAllister, in my opinion. I think we've signed him, especially to be in advanced state. And if you've then got a sort of mend and make do and put him as a six, you're not fulfilling what you're meant to do. Uh, and Bajetis is brilliant, but he's 18 and he's currently injured. Thiago, he's my favourite Liverpool player at his best. He's just injured too much, you can't rely on him. So you do need to go out and find your specialist, uh, which is where we're at now, of course. But... I think there's no doubt about it. And I think, like I say, a lot of people have been sort of bemoaning the fact that Liverpool now can't find sort of the answer. Having let Fabinho and Henderson go, people are saying, well, you should have just kept them then in that case. Like, why did you let them leave? I don't think it was quite as simple as that. I think, for me, it was kind of thrown upon them a little bit. And I understand Liverpool still held a lot of the power because there were two under-contract players. They both had two years left, I think, off the top of my head. There was no need to sell either of them. The money wasn't so astronomical that you couldn't look away from it. It wasn't crazy money. It was good money, but it wasn't crazy money. However, I think the issue you have there is that both players, from what I'm led to believe and what I'm sort of aware of, both players had their heads well and truly turned by the Saudi prospect before Liverpool even knew about it. So 
if both Henderson and Fabinho go to the club, go to Klopp or whoever it may be and say, I want to go, I'm ready to go, I want a new life for me and my family because I've been offered X, Y, Z, then the club are left in a bit of an invidious position, certainly Jurgen Klopp, because we know Jurgen Klopp only wants players that want to be there. Whether it be Henderson, Fabinho, the most important footballer we own, whatever, he's not going to... I don't think he's going to bend and flex and beg footballers to stay. If a footballer wants to leave, he's going to say, OK. So whilst from a planning perspective and from a transfer perspective and what's for the good of Liverpool, I don't think allowing certainly Fabinho to go has helped us from a squad point of view. However, keeping him around against his wishes, I don't think that was ever going to be Jurgen Klopp's way either. So it's a really difficult one and it has left us short heading into the season. There's no two ways about that. But I suppose you've got to, it's a bit of a live by the sword, die by the sword thing for Klopp. He always says he only wants players. When we signed Cody Gakpo, he always referenced it. He said, I want players who are going to help push the train, not jump on the train. And that's where we're at now with Fabinho in a little way. If Fabinho's made his decision that he wants to go to Saudi, Klopp ain't going to keep him. So if that's his mantra, that's the way he wants to run the football club and the squad, you might have to take the rough with a smooth a little bit. And unfortunately, because you're right, we didn't have anyone in mind. We didn't have a plan for what if Fabinho wants to go. This is the world we're living in now. And it's 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 crap. It's not where we want to be. But we've got an amount of weeks to get it fixed. The biggest issue here for me is Lavia. Because we've liked Lavia. Like I was having conversations about Romeo Lavia two months ago. So we've had Lavia on the radar for some time now. And the fact he is a Liverpool player now is the biggest problem. Yeah, and we're going to come on later in the podcast to the kind of negotiating negotiation for him and what Liverpool should kind of do in their approach. Um, and I definitely take your point in terms of Liverpool, I think quite rightly, don't want players who don't want to be there because you need players with 100% commitment. Frustration is that the reports that Fabinho had been given permission to leave came out in mid-July. And it's now, obviously, we're five days into August. And it kind of is like there was loads of time there, even though there was a delay in the deal and the deal did hit a bit of a snag. It was like there was loads of time there for Liverpool to kind of create a proper plan. And unfortunately, they haven't been able to do that. I want to talk about the sporting director now, Mark. Um, Jörg Schmacker, obviously, he's on kind of this um, contract that spans the length of the transfer window, we're led to believe. Um, and... Really, he's had, up until fairly recently, he's actually had a pretty easy ride. You know, players had left on, on free transfers. The two that he'd recruited both had exit clause in their contract, which he was able to activate. This time, he's got actually a negotiated deal himself. This is really what he was brought in to do. He wasn't necessarily brought in to be um, the talent spotter, like Michael Edwards might be, for example. It was For him, it was all about, we'll tell you the target, you can essentially um, negotiate the deal for us. And it feels like the way this deal has been negotiated hasn't necessarily been the best um, endorsement of him. Do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's I think it's always difficult, really, to know exactly what's what's going on in, in negotiations or behind the scenes. I mean, obviously, things get, get leaked out in the, into the press and stuff like that, and that's not ideally how things want to play out. But there's been a number of deals sort of at different clubs this year that have, have sort of prolonged and dragged on. I mean, I think of Mason Mount, Declan Rice, just off the top of my head, Moises Caicedo. So it is, I suppose, different to, to sometimes what Liverpool have been used to, although Liverpool have had 
situations in the past with the likes of Van Dyke and things like that where you know it's been more drawn out and more public I think in an ideal world obviously that wouldn't happen and Liverpool has have Romeo Lavia if he is their choice um, I do believe that the, the deal will get get done in the end I think what we can't know or understand is how difficult I suppose Southampton are making the the process with the what they're asking for I mean essentially we, do, we don't know um, how far away it is compared to what Liverpool are willing to pay. Now, some people will say, well, Liverpool should pay X, Y and Z, whatever Southampton want for the player, but it doesn't It doesn't quite work like that, does it? I think Liverpool will want that sort of internally in football as well. What they won't want to do is is overpay to the to the other clubs and for them to have a view of Liverpool of how they've probably been dictated to to pay a fee which is over what the market price is for, for Romeo Lavia or what they believe he is. And again, from from inside the club, and I take Dan's point on board completely. I mean, Thiago and Bajetic are nowhere near going to be fit to play in the in the opening games. But I think, from the club's point of view, they'll be thinking they can get by with the other two potential options they've got in there, and Alexis McAllister and, and Curtis Jones for the opening few weeks, and think to themselves that in the end, with the players buying from Romeo Lavia, that that deal will get done, and it'll get done at a price which is more suited to them. Now, whether you feel that that should come sooner or or you're happy with how Liverpool are doing it at this moment in time. I think I think there'll be a lot more variables going around than probably what we see from the outside. And the fact of the matter is I always think to myself it's you know Liverpool are trying to trying to operate in, in the transfer market. They've been very successful in the past by and large. They've been the, the sort of standard setters. So I know they've made one or two issues throughout the last few years which you could point out and say, well that hasn't gone perfectly how you necessarily wanted to, but in general I think that you know they've got a process and a structure which has garnered great results. So you'd have to have faith that that'll happen again. I just think it's very hard from the outside to make a complete judgment, if I'm honest. And and sometimes the perception of what it looks like might not be might not be how it is. I suppose. But that that's all I can say on that. I think it's difficult. It is definitely difficult, and you know, really, we've just got to put the pieces of, of the jigsaw together. For me, it doesn't necessarily reflect well on him and the way things are going. I'd be surprised if his deal is extended because of the way you know things have dragged out but you know we don't necessarily know the full picture so you know it is a fair comment definitely um but Dan let's stay on what Mark was um touching on there in terms of Liverpool's approach on Lavia I mean you mentioned earlier don't usually see bids rejected the last official one that I can think of and there might be one more recently was when we tried to sign Jamal Lewis before we went for Costas Simakas I think that was in 2020 and that Norwich rejected a bit for him then we moved on Normally, we kind of know the price and are essentially able to, you know, bring up an acceptable package before we even get to the table. Do you think Liverpool should just, you know, we've known throughout the whole window that's had them to 150 million. Given the position Liverpool are in, do you think Liverpool will just pay up, get the player through the door, or are there more merits to the approach of playing hardball? You never want to be seen as the club that just pays whatever it takes, I don't think, because then you get taken to the cleaners when you do approach the negotiating table because if other clubs become aware that oh, these will pay whatever, a.k.a. Chelsea, essentially, if you turn up as Chelsea and Todd Bowley at the minute in any football club, you're going to look at each other and go, we can charge these whatever we like. So you don't want to be that, of course you don't. And Liverpool playing hardball, has worked very successfully for us in recent years. Of course it has. However, as you touch upon there, 
you know, if Southampton remains steadfast, and I suppose we've done a lot of deals with Southampton, so maybe we thought there'd be some sort of goodwill involved in this and we'd kind of haggle them down simpler than you would some other clubs potentially, but that hasn't proved to be the case. So I don't think we should sort of bend over and just say, okay, you want this money, there you go. We need to remain tough. We need to remain tough negotiators. Mark referenced it a minute ago. We were very much the benchmark when it came to doing transfers. So we should remain that. That shouldn't never leave us because otherwise, like I say, you get you get ripped off essentially in the market. So I don't blame us for that. I do think when it's so obvious that you've identified a certain player as being the one that you want and you do see two bids rejected, which is where we're at now, of course. I do think there is a little bit of me that says, OK, now just pay it, because it's dragging into the season now. Uh, if you're going back twice for him, it becomes even more apparent that he is very much the one that you see as the future and the, sh- and the short term, I should say, as well. You see him as playing a big role now. So, And it also, like I touched upon earlier, when you've known for so long that you want him and you've known for so long that the price tag is what it is, and then you get a windfall of 52 million, albeit not all straight away, but you know you've got 52 million more pounds coming in. That feels like a no-brainer to me. So I still expect, I think a couple of you have touched on it already, I still expect Liverpool to get this deal over the line. I don't think we'll just pay 50 million up front because that's not what we do. But I think that we'll reach a compromise on this. I certainly hope so because to go for him so strongly and then to miss out, it doesn't look great now anyway, as it is, the way it's sort of gone on and on and on. And then to miss out on him and walk away would be a really bad look. And I think with someone like Lavia, you mentioned Jamal Lewis there, his career actually didn't go on to sort of the heights that I think anyone expected. So walking away from that proved out to be obviously the right thing to do. Maybe that's why we did walk away. Maybe we didn't want him all that much as a backup left back. But with Lavia, I think if you walk away from this deal, you're walking away from something potentially very special. 19 years old, you know, really, really talented, really highly thought of. I think he's one of the players whereby if you do sort of pass up or turn your nose up at like a four or five million difference, whatever it may be, you could be looking at him playing for Chelsea, playing for Arsenal, playing for United, possibly going back to City and being a real star. So for me, this is the time now whereby... Funny enough, I spoke to Chris Bascom the other day on it and he described it as being decision time. And I think that's what it is now for Liverpool. I think, do we want this player? Yes. Pay the money and get him then. I think that's kind of where I'm at with it. Yeah, to be honest, you know, I'm definitely in the pay-up camp. I think there's a couple of reasons for that. One of them is that the net spend with that 52 million coming in, I think is down to something like 43 million for the window. And to be honest, then you feel like the money should be there to kind of just pay pay the price tag. And from Southampton's perspective, I know it's a lot of money, but, you know, they've got the 40 million buyer back with City, so I can understand why they want, like, that sizable difference. Otherwise, like, you know, I'll just keep them for an extra year. Um, so, I, I, from that and, point sorry, view, Dave, and they lose 20% of the profit on him as well. Yeah. They're not the going to get that. Clause, yeah. The sell-on clause that City have, so... You know, the, for the first bid to be something like thirty-seven million, all told, was just a you know a little bit insulting <laughs> from us. I think, to be quite honest, um, I've thought to myself, are they trying to hold money back? Are they penny pension because you know penny pension? Sorry, because they want to um, basically sign a centre back afterwards, get another midfielder, and there's been some noise about that. And every sort of you know every pound will count from that regard, maybe, but also. The need for a defensive midfielder is so much stronger, I think, in terms of the clear void in the squad than, than the other two. 
areas that need to be addressed that this one, you know, you should treat that accordingly, basically, because it is the biggest um, issue that you've got to address. And the last thing I'll say on this is, you know, Liverpool are going to a window when they look for ability, availability and affordability. I think, you know, most of the targets that have been identified, I think definitely take that ability box. But like Levi Colwell, for example, not available. I think, you know, that's happened with a couple of the other targets that we'll look at. He's going to be the main one. And then affordability. You know, if they, they don't think Lavi is a 50 million player, that's abundantly clear at this point. But like, then you start to question, okay, you know, I'd be happy if Liverpool signed him, but if you didn't think that he was worth that much, is there an argument that he should have been approaching a different player a while back? And it just feels like they've abandoned their own transfer policy, which was there for a reason under this current model um, and not necessarily seeing the results from doing so. Um, but yeah, last question now, uh, Mark. Do you think, given that Liverpool, I believe, should have aspirations of competing with the Premier League, you know, they've got... Every time Jürgen Klopp's had a complete squad or a squad with no sort of major, major issues. He's been able to challenge Man City, I would argue. Um, And we know better than anybody that fine margins make all the difference. So do you think that it could be really costly to go into those first few weeks? Obviously a really tough open and fixture and then I think Newcastle away not too long after that. Do you think it could actually be quite costly when we look back that Liverpool are going into the season on demand? Uh, it's difficult. Obviously, we have to see how it plays out. I think with obviously the case with with Lavia or any defensive midfield player who was coming into the side, because I'm not sort of of the opinion that Liverpool are going to go for two in midfield. I believe, judging from Klopp's sort of background, I do believe it'd be one, and it probably looks like that player will be Lavia at this moment in time. I don't believe that this player would have probably started in the opening weeks anyway, even if they'd have come in a, a couple of weeks earlier, just because of how. Klopp tends to integrate players with or key players in key positions into his side. He prefers to trust players who, okay, it might not be their first position, but players who've been with him for a period of time and obviously know the system a lot better than from the start of pre-season, really, because obviously Liverpool are adapting and adopting that that sort of new system. And, and I believe that whoever came in, I, I'm not certain that he would have played these opening weeks of the season anyway. Um and also, I think you're alluding to potentially what people have been talking about in terms of maybe a defensive player coming into the club. And there's been a lot of talk about potentially a left-sided player within that back three because of the way it's obviously shaped with Alexander-Arnold coming into midfield with the ball and when the ball's first turned over. So, And I can completely understand that. And I think in the, in the long term, Liverpool are going to need to look at a player for that role who's a hybrid more a centre-half who's capable of going into wide areas but I think with Klopp I'd be surprised if Klopp would have started or signed a, a starter in that role I believe that his first choice would be to believe that Andy Robertson could play the role I think he sees Robertson as a as an important player in the squad and on the field of play since he's came into Liverpool and taken the shirt off Alberto Moreno he's always seemed to play him I know it's in a different role obviously as a fundamentally a, a, a left-back, which is, is different than what the hybrid role requires at this moment in time. But I believe that this season he's still going to try and play Robertson in that role and see if he can be capable of doing that. Now, whether he can or not is up to you know the perception and we'll have to see how it plays out. But I do believe that what will be in Klopp's mind. And if he was to sign a centre-half, 
it would have been a younger player with the the ability to come in and play some of the games in that position. Um, and so with the Lavia situation as well, I mean, this idea that you know Lavia to come in and the potentially might be in a, a more experienced player to come in, I just don't particularly see that myself. I believe if Lavia was to come in for that kind of money, he would be playing the majority of the games. And then the other players who we've mentioned would fill in in that role as backups. And that being said, I think this season, if we look at Liverpool's squad and the fact that they'd be incorporating a brand new midfield for a lot of the fixtures as potentially a first choice, although I feel Curtis Jones will play a lot of games in there um, and could even be a starting player, I think that's his level. Um, I do believe because of that and the change of system, I think if you were to offer Liverpool and the management staff a top four place at this moment in time, I do believe that they'd probably take it. Listen, they're elite managers working in elite environments, so you might say they won't and they've got higher aspirations than that. But I just look at it from this point of view and there's been such turnover of players and so many new players coming into that. I do, I can't see it being the case that they challenge City and I do believe they'd want to consolidate that position in the Champions League and then build from there with a new system, with players who the majority of the squad then would be one or two years into their sort of tenure at Liverpool and Liverpool can make, then make a real challenge. I see that as a more realistic aim, really, if that makes sense. Yeah, and that, I think, will be a big theme when we're sort of previewing the season next week, whether the rebuild has been so extensive that it will require a bit more um, patience uh, from, from the fans' perspective. Dan, I thought I'd just finish up by, um, you know, coming back to you briefly because, you know, the start of the season is six days away now and it feels like it's hard to, certainly from my perspective, hard to look forward to it too much because, you know, there is so much... Um, sort of concern over where Liverpool are going to be at, you know, what they're going to be able to compete for. Um, so I thought I'd come to you to, you know, finish us on a, on a more optimistic note. There's, you know, reasons to be kind of more hopeful at the moment amid what is quite a frustrating situation with transfers. No, it is quite frustrating, yeah. I think there are definitely reasons and causes for optimism, though, because if you look at the pre-season games, I know we've got one left, and there have been some issues we've been there. Of course, have we caught out on transition too many times against Bayern defensively? We haven't quite looked up to it. Certainly when you go beyond the front line defence, I think it's fair to say. But if you look at what the attack's been up to and how sharp all they look, they look absolutely on fire. And I include Ben Doak in that as well. That kid is sensational. I love watching him play footy. So there's definitely reasons to be optimistic. I mean... I, I, I touched on it yesterday on a show that I did. Like, if we were, if this was transfer deadline day and we we're having these conversations, then I think we'd all be rightfully panicking. But there's still weeks to go in the window. And on Mark's point, I think I am confident, and Liverpool and Jurgen Klopp will be confident that we can muddle by, for want of a better expression. And it's not ideal, but we can get by with the options that we have to do the six kind of thing for a few weeks. So once we've got that addressed, uh, and listen, I hope we don't sort of give up too much ground on the people we should be chasing in the early weeks. That's obviously going to be really important. But once we've addressed the areas in the squad that I still have total faith that we will do, we've got a squad absolutely brimful of quality. Like Mohamed Salah, Virgil van Dijk, Alison Becker, Cody Gakpo is going to be unbelievable. Like imagine him with his full pre-season in a better side. He's going to be sensational. Trent in his new role, etc., etc. There's loads of quality in there. And obviously, even like to Darwin Nunes, who's looked a lot better, I think it's fair to say, in pre-season. They'll understand things a little bit more. We have every single tool it takes to challenge this season moving forwards. Now, there's still things to fix between now and the end of the window. Of course there are. But 
like I say, when you've got those players and, of course, Jurgen Klopp, you've got every chance, every chance of doing something very special. So whilst there's still things that need to be done, like I say, and there's still, you know, like some Manchester City, we are still very much a contender for whatever we go into, whether it be Europa League, the domestic cups, and even the Premier League. Far from easy and far from favourites for the Premier League, of course, but why not? We've got loads and loads of things going forward in that sense. Yeah, and loads and loads of time left in the transfer window, crucially, like you say, as well. Um, we'll leave it there for this episode. If you've enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And remember, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel for clips of our episodes as well. Our next episode is either going to be a reaction to Romeo Lavia finally coming through the door, or it's going to be season preview content. So make sure you um, keep checking our feed to find out what exactly that is. But yeah, we'll be back next week. Um, and until then, take care and thanks for listening.